Hello there, boxing fans around the world. Thanks for joining me once again here on Talk and Fight for another episode of Boxing News Today. Uh, it being the beginning of the week, we have a variety of different uh, fights to report on. Happened over the weekend, starting off uh, with the big fight that happened in Denmark. WBO World Bantamweight Champion Dina Thorsland successfully defended her title for a second time when she outclassed Nyorkis Carreno. The 28-year-old, who now holds an 18-0 professional record, won in front of her home fans uh, with scores of 199-91 and 99-91. All right. Thorsland, however, wants a massive unification fight next. And guess who she's challenging? This one knocked my socks off. Quote, immediately after her impressive win on Saturday, and I'm quoting Boxing247.com here, she turned to the uh, other bantamweight title holders uh, with Thorzon having spoken about the prospect of a fight with Ebony Bridges, the IBF champion, in the buildup. It would be amazing to fight Ebony, Thorzon said, but the result would not come as a surprise to people because I would win because I am better than her. Wow. There you go. There's something to chew on. All right. Across the pond, let's go over to Cosa Mesa, California, at the hangar. Back on April 9th, we saw Michaela Mayer, who grew up in Southern California, and then left to pursue a boxing career. And after an Olympic birth, nearly five years as an unbeaten pro, fair world-class titles, Mayer finally authored her triumphant championship homecoming. Mayer bested former world champion Jennifer Hahn by unanimous decision to retain her WBO and IBF junior lightweight world titles uh, this past Saturday. It was a world title, uh, third uh, title defense for Mayer, who's now 17-0 with five knockouts as her first as, and her first as a unified world champion. She did everything but force a stoppage, outlanding hand by more than three to one clip, 192 to 63. Early in the fight, Mayer busted open hand's nose with a right hand and used a stiff upper jab to keep hand on the defense. Meyer said, I feel like I did a lot of good things in there. Her movement, I think, is what she does best, and it throws you off. She gets her spacing in a little bit, so I had to throw her off and stay behind the jab. Coach Al Mitchell reminded me to stay behind the jab and set the right hand up. She would duck sometimes and make me miss. I started to go to the body. All in all, she's a tough, durable girl. That's why we chose her for this fight. We knew she'd push me, but I feel like I did well. Having won, I would say she did do well. And she goes on to continue. I've been pretty clear that I want to go undisputed at 130. Alicia Baumgartner and Hoi Min Choi. I've been calling them out. I want either fight. But if they're not going to give me that fight in a timely fashion, I'm going to go up and challenge the winner of the Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor fight. So lots of news, as I said, to report on today and uh, starts off with a couple of decent challenges. Speaking of challenges, Triple G, one of my favorites, Gennady Golovkin, became the new WBA middleweight super champion after knocking out Ryota Murata in a war held this past Saturday over in Satima, Japan. The Kazakh, who was already the IBF champion, snatched the belt from the Japanese and is now the unified 160-pound monarch after stopping it in the ninth round with a hair-raising right hand. However, the fight was not easy for Triple G, who found himself up against a brave and motivated puncher who came out on equal footing. The Kazakh had to deal with the jab of a taller opponent and the right hand of Murata that swelled Golovkin's cheekbone early. 
The 40-year-old veteran stuck to his plan, which is to move forward, throw a lot of punches, and be accurate with a straight punch. He took control of the fight as the rounds went on. Now, a little sidebar to this story involving Mr. Golovkin. And courtesy of uh, another report. In a show of respect, Triple G went to Murata's dressing room after knocking him out to give him back his WBA middleweight title that he had won off him uh, at the uh, arena. Murata gave Golovkin major problems in the first round, as I've just explained, in their 160-pound IBF and WBA unification fight. And uh, you know, Golovkin made the adjustments necessary to, go on to, to, to win the victory. But it goes on to say here in this particular article, inside the ring after the fight, Golovkin gave Murata his robe, which he put on and was still wearing inside the dressing room when Triple G went in there to give him back his title. It's unclear whether this means that Golovkin doesn't want to keep Murata's WBA title or it was just a symbolic gesture. If Golovkin chooses to reject the WBA title, it would fall vacant or perhaps even be removed by the sanctioning body. By way of contrast, this uh, this author happens to say Murata looked better in that fight uh, than Billy Joe Saunders, Kyler Plant, Rocky Field, and, and Callum Smith. So uh, the super middleweight uh, division looks to be quite healthy and quite rambunctious right now with that victory by Triple G. Moving along, in the welterweight division, which is uh, gaining in popularity as well as these fighters uh, rise through the ranks, over in uh, Las Vegas this past weekend at Virgin Hotels, two super welterweight contenders, Sebastian Fondoro and Erickson Lubin, delivered an instant classic as Fondoro captured the interim WBC super welterweight title via technical knockout after nine rounds in a Showtime main event, uh, which was held at the theater in the Virgin Hotels as part of the Curio Collection by Hilton. Fair enough. And it was presented, by the way, by uh, Premier Boxing Champions. In a bout that lived up to pre-fight hype, both men hit the canvas and showed tremendous fortitude to recover from knockdowns and continue to deliver massive blows. It was the six-foot-six-inch Fandura who struck first with a sweeping right uppercut that sent Lubin to the mat during the final seconds of round two. Despite appearing on shaky legs after round two, Lubin recovered in the final minute of round three to three of round three to bloody Fundoro with a series of headshots. Lubin won three of the first four rounds on all three scorecards, buoyed by a bruising body attack against the taller opponent. However, in round seven, Fundoro and Lubin engaged in a surefire round of the year candidate as both men took serious damage. Fundoro's nonstop volume began to show dividends on Lubin's face, which started to swell up from the damage during the frame. However, Lubin showed championship, me championship medal by turning the tide with an unrelenting series of hooks that eventually forced Vendora to take a knee, the first time he's been down as a pro. After rising to his feet after the knockdown, Vendora recovered to outland Lubin 26-12 and 28-3 in rounds 8 and 9, respectively. Overall, Vendora outlanded Lubin 255-149, to while Lubin held a 40% to 36% advantage in punch accuracy. Lubin had early success with his jab, landing 18 over the first three rounds, but only connected on 15 throughout the rest of the action. After a one-sided round number nine, and with the swelling continuing to go around Lubin's face, his trainer, Kevin Cunningham, asked referee Mora to stop the fight, officially ending the action via technical knockout after nine rounds. At the time of stoppage, 
Lubin led 85 to 84 on two of the judges' cards, with the third judge scoring the fight 85 to 85. I think it was a good decision for Kevin Cunningham to stop the fight, said Vendura. His face shifted from round one to round nine. It completely morphed, and there was a lot of blood coming out. He's a tough fighter. He was in the game the whole time, but there's no need to get hurt that much. Lubin, by the way, was taken to the UMC Trauma Center for further observation post-fight. Uh, for Fundura, he puts himself in position to face the winner of the undisputed 154-pound title rematch between Jermel Charlo and Brian Castano, taking place on May 14th. He said, uh, I see Charlo winning that fight against Castano. I feel like he's going to be too strong for the second time. If Castano wins, that's great too. I just want to go after all of them. This is the interim belt, so I want the world champion title. I want the real deal. Over at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. And if ever you've been to San Antonio, you'll find that is a great city, a fun city to be in. Uh, down in Texas, April 9th, San Antonio was treated to fireworks at the Alamo Dome when the undefeated boxing superstar Ryan Garcia, who's now 22-0 with 18 knockouts out of California, made a triumphant return to the ring against the top-rated Emmanuel Tago, uh, also called the Game Boy who fights out of Accra, Ghana, whose record is now 32-2 and two with 15 knockouts. The 12-round lightweight fight featured a strong performance from Garcia to a crowd of 14,459 people as he landed an early power punch that sent Tego to the canvas in the second round. Once both fight fighters found the rhythm, Garcia systematically broke down the Ghanaian boxer as he landed precise punches to the head and body. Tego tried his best to keep his distance using an ineffective jab. In between rounds, I was just telling him, you've got to get go to track him down, said Joe Gosen, trainer to Ryan Garcia. He's not going to engage you. You just have to keep the pressure on. He's a tough kid. He has only one loss in the beginning of his career. He's been on a winning streak for a very long time. He has a great chin. He was in great shape, and he came here to win. He didn't, he, he didn't come here to lose. But after a while, he was not trying to win. He was just trying to survive. And Ryan was then trying to track him down and trying to catch him. Tahoe was not being very agreeable. And he didn't engage in the fight a lot. Who, who will we fight next? I'll take a back seat on all of that. Hey, they'll come to the gym and tell me how to train my guys. And I don't go to their office and tell them who to make fights. When they throw something at me, I say, that sounds good to me. And we go to work. We're going to talk to Joe DeBell and see who's next, said Peter Kahn, manager of Emmanuel Togo. Emmanuel went 12 rounds with Ryan. Emmanuel was out of the ring longer than Ryan, so I think that's a victory. I think we learned that Emmanuel has a chin, and he took some big shots tonight. It was a good fight, and Ryan performed very well. By the way, in the co-main event of the night, the resilient uh, King Gabriel Rosada, who's 26-15-1, 15 knockouts out of Philadelphia, was defeated by Shane Mosley Jr., who's now 18-4 with 10 knockouts, and he fights out of Pomona, California. Is a majority decision in a 10-rounder, and therefore Mosley captures the WBA Continental America Super Middleweight title. Elsewhere, we go down the road to Zonkey's Auditorium in Tijuana, Mexico, where Mexican contender Damian Sosa, who's 20-1 with 11 knockouts, defended his WBO Latino Super Welterweight Championship with an impressive knockout victory against Jesus Vega, who's now 22-3-1. and 
out of uh, Sinaloa, Mexico, in the main event of the Toscano Boxing Promotion Show. As I said, it was taking place at Zonkey's Auditorium in Tijuana. That's in Baja, California, Mexico. So it's the end of the bout at 135 of the third round. And once again, Dom demonstrated his desire to have a world title opportunity in the near future. It was a good fight, said Damien Sosa. I think I controlled the entire fight. In the second round, he landed a hard shot on me. But aside from that, I felt I'd control the entire bout. And that's, uh, that's what I was doing and what my corner was telling me to do. I think we all dream one day of being able to fight for a world title. I prepare myself every day for that. And I know that the opportunity will present itself one day because I will look for it. I'll continue growing and waiting for that opportunity. Right on. Speaking of Mexico, we're going to pop along to the Metapec Fairgrounds. Very complete and effective boxing from Angel Lardizabal who won the WBC's flyweight elimination match, convincingly defeating former champion of the world, Nicaraguan, Christopher Rosales. Uh, and that was back on uh, Saturday night. Aya, 14-0-0, as he's known, uh, remains undefeated and was masterful against a rival. Great experience, namely uh, Rosales, who's now 32-6-0. Uh, must be 32-6-1 with 21 knockouts, who sought to counterattack and force the fight. But the Mexican executed his fight plan to perfection and landed an appreciably higher volume of punches. During the same event, Luis Ramirez, who's now 10-0 with 10 knockouts, extended his perfect record in just one minute, 22 seconds, demonstrating his power, knocking down Brando Romero twice and knocking him out uh, eventually. Ramirez had to be taken out of the ring on a stretcher and taken to a hospital for tests required for this type of knockout. Fortunately, he is okay. With this victory, Zordito Ramirez wins the WBC Youth Super Bantamweight Championship. Let's take a look at things to come here. Connor Goodchild, for you UK fans, is going to ensure that his belated birthday present comes in the form of another pro win. The sequel to his debut, when BCB Promotions returned to the East Side Rooms, uh, in Birmingham with this fight set for next, uh, not next Friday, but April 29th, a few weeks down the road. The Brummies paid. Uh, they became on home turf as recently as February 15th on another BCP offering at the H Suite in Eggbaston, where he outpointed Paul Cummings. Welterweight Goodchild fights out of Kings Norton, eased to comprehensive point success despite an absence of six years from competitive action. Uh, through a 40 to 36 whitewash scoreline in that previous fight. So I guess English fans are looking to his uh, entering the ring once again on April 29th. Now, speaking of uh, the welterweights, if I'm not mistaken, we have some news here. After a busy weekend of fighting, fans around the world equally wait one of the most exciting fights of the year so far, the welterweight unification bout coming up between Errol Spence Jr., who's 27-0, and Jordinius Ugas, who's 27 and 4. And that's that to take place over in Arlington, Texas. However, quietly across the pond, a fight featuring the young, unbeaten, and hungry welterweight prospect Connor Ban, who's 20 and 0, is also set to take place at the AO Arena in Manchester, England. This is where Connor Ban will take on uh, the, the uh, South African veteran uh, Chris Van. Kierden, who's 28-2-1. And, and this is where Conor Ben, by the way, 
is putting up his uh, WBA Continental Wealthweight title on the line. Now, that's, it's, this all gets a bit interesting because we also have uh, Statonias versus Berbiev, no, sorry, Bityev. Uh, another relatively obscure fight that many boxing media outlet overlook is also said to happen over in Arlington this weekend. As a former Olympian and celebrated amateur fighter in Europe, the undefeated Lithuanian native Imantas Stantonis, 13-0, is set to fight against Russian fighter Rajab Butyav, 14-0, for the WBA regular welterweight title. This fight is set as one of the uh, undercards preceding the main event, but as a matter of importance, it is enough to stand alone as the main card uh, of an episode of Showtime Championship Boxing that isn't pay-per-view. Let's just float down the story just a little bit. Um, because uh, the author of this, let me just quickly, sorry. The author is Maqui Zhang, and this is in Boxing News 24, by the way. You can go there to their website to have a quick look at this. Check this conclusion out. The welterweight division might not be one of the most stacked divisions today, which I completely disagree with, but it is still a hot division, which I agree with, filled with talented prospects and champions alike. So I'm a little confused with this opening remark. This Saturday would not only mark a new beginning with the crowning of a new unified champion, but also set in path for some the biggest matchups in the division's future. Well, that is quite an understatement and quite a conclusion, concluding statement. Um, but we'll see what happens to Stenios, Span, and uh, Spans, you just saw all, all these guys. Good, good, good matchups all around. Alrighty, let's move on quickly for the final. Uh, story of the day featuring the Olympic qualification system that's just been announced. Uh, this is for the Paris Games taking place in 2024, uh, even though it's quite yet undecided whether or not uh, Olympic boxing will continue in 2028. Anyway, with respect to the qualification system that's just been announced and approved by the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, uh, who defines these categories, there will now be 124 places for seven events on the men's side and 124 places for six women's events. The IBA has confirmed most of the IBA's 13 men's and 12 women's weight, weight categories into the respective Olympic categories. The Olympic qualification period will run from January 1st, 2023 to May 31st, 2024. Qualification will take place in four phases and we'll see the finalists of the IBA men's and women's world championships in 2023. The top fighters in the IBA and world champ and world Olympic rankings and the winners of the last chance Olympic qualifying tournament. The OQS has been designed to be the fairest ever. Said Umar Kremlov, the IBA president, as an international association, we have had to take many viewpoints into consideration when formulating this system. I am sure that after months of discussion and consultation, we have created a qualification system that provides a fair and equal chance to all would-be Olympic boxers. Importantly, it will be based on success at IBA events. While developing the system, the IBA worked closely with the IOC Sports, de Sports Department and IBA various committees and the Inter International Continental Confederations, athletes, and the host country's own national federation. Said the IBA Secretary General Estran Kovac, he said, 
We are very happy with the Olympic qualification system that's been approved. It's very important to us that the system provided the athletes with flexibility, as well as multiple opportunities to qualify for the competition. And we are determined to ensure fair fights at the qualifying events on the road to Paris. Well, there you have it, boxing fans. That's all the news fit to print. Thank you for joining me on Boxing News today. Uh, remember to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and I'll see you again later this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern time when I join Mike Orr at 4 and Cedric Van will be in the den for Knuckle Up. Cheers. <laughs>